Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. You know, God's love absolutely amazes me. I'll tell you what, if there's anything that has changed my life, it's God's love. But you know what? God's love isn't weak and purposeless. No, God has one purpose in his love for us, and that is to save us. And you might say, well, what do I need to be saved from? Well, there's many things we've got to be saved from, but one of the main things we need to be saved from is our own selves. And in many respects, we are also to be saved from God's wrath against our sins and against the way that we live. And so God's love has one purpose, and it's to save us. We studied a little bit about 1 Corinthians, a little bit in 2 Corinthians, and we find in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. And I would be remiss to not focus in on what the Bible says and what Corinthians says about love, all right? Focusing on one thing, God's love, His purpose is to save you. His love is to save you. So we're going to read through 1 Corinthians 13, a, a little bit of it, not all of it, and pick out some thoughts about love and then shift into this gear of God's love saving you. You know, God wants to save you from you. You and I, we're our own worst enemies. We don't have any worse enemy than our own selves. We tempt ourselves. We complain to ourselves. We curse at ourselves. <laughs> we regret ourselves. We just, you know, we're our own worst enemy, and God wants to save us from us. But let's jump into 1 Corinthians 13, and let me read you just a, a couple of snippets from 1 Corinthians 13 and see if we can't take something good away for ourselves this week. It says, the Apostle Paul says to the Corinthian church, who, by the way, was just enamored with eloquent speakers and dynamic personalities and bigger than, bigger than life leaders. And he said, you know what's more important than all of that is love. And he says, if I speak with the tongues of men and angels, in other words, I'm eloquent, I'm a powerful influencer on TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. No, not, there's not too many influencers on Facebook anymore. But anyways, I'm a big time influencer. It means nothing if I don't have love. I can be the world's most talented person if I don't have love for others, growing, God's love growing out of me, then I've become only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal, in other words, an annoying distraction. <laughs> Somebody who's talented and doesn't love anybody is just an annoying distraction. That's all they are. That's what the Bible calls that, that kind of person. Again, this is in the amplified version, so it kind of amplifies the words and the meanings here, or, or defines the meanings a little bit better for us. In verse 2, and if I have the gift of prophecy, so now we're talking about spiritual gifts, which by the way, next week we're going to be talking about spiritual gifts, because that's another big topic in 1 Corinthians. But if I have these spiritual gifts and I can speak a new message from God to people, in other words, I can foretell, even foretell the future, and I, have, uh, I can understand mysteries. A lot of times we look at God and said, can I just understand what you're doing right now? And God helps us understand. So if you're kind of that person that receives spiritual understanding from heaven and you, can, you have all this knowledge, in other words, you're kind of an intellectual, which a lot of times we look up to intellectuals. And if I have all the sufficient faith enough to remove mountains, in other words, I believe in God and I'm a powerful, dynamic 
mountain mover for Jesus, all right? But I don't, uh, but I don't have love for others. It says, I am nothing. I am nothing. It's telling us that love is pretty important. And if I give my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned, in other words, I'm a famous saint, a lot of people, and I'm not speaking of any particular religion because all religions tend to do this. We put people up on a pedestal and we call them a saint. You know what? They're just as normal as you and I are. There's no difference. And if you, if you uh, put a, a saint on your pedestal, and, and you consider martyrdom just so amazing and important. You would be willing to die for your cause, whether religious or unreligious. But you don't have love. It does me no good at all. Love is so important. I'll tell you, un, God's unconditional love about 12 years ago, maybe 13 years ago now. I've been Christian already for a long time. But about 12 years ago, God's love got a hold of me and it changed my life. I will talk about God's unconditional love until the day I, I die because God's love changed my life. It changed who I am. I finally started believing God loved me. How about that? And I want you to, I want you to think about it. Do you think God loves you? You better believe God loves you. And the first excuse, the first rebuttal to that is, you don't know what I've done, Steve, or God, you do know what I've done. And God says, that's not what my love is predicated upon. And we're going to talk more about that. Look at this in 1 John 4.10. It says, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That's love. Not that you love, but that he loved you first even when you were in an unlovable state. Have you ever been unlovable before? I have. I say things even to this day. I said something the other day, and I was like, why did I say that? It was a joke, and it hurt somebody's feelings. I was like, why don't you ever learn to shut your stupid mouth, Steve? You know, I was unlovable, all right? But Jesus loved us even when we were unlovable. And so this is a definition of love, in the next verses here, and still in, in 1 Corinthians 13, he tells us what love is. Love endures with patience and serenity. And I like that. I looked up the word serenity. You've heard of the prayer of serenity. What, what is serenity? Serenity is calmness. When somebody is calm, they're showing some level of love, even if they don't mean to. You know, in a world of chaos and freakouts and, and, you know, panics and chaos, you know, love is calm. Don't you love it when your significant other is calm, when you're all out of, out of control? <laughs> that person is showing love, all right? Patience, serenity, that's calmness. Love is kind. It's thoughtful. Whenever you know somebody's had a surgery or they're sick or they need some help, give them a call. It's thoughtful. It shows love. And that's the definition or a definition of love is being thoughtful. It's not jealous. It's not envious. And these two words, I was kind of pondering them this week. Whenever you talk about being envious, that's a controlling spirit. And I'll tell you what, I was on the telephone with some people at work. It was so funny. Um, they, they were telling me how they've 
they've got all these controls in place and, and these systems at work. And I, I paused and I said, you both are control freaks, and I like that. <laughs> They're doing their job. They have a high sense of responsibility. But you know what? When it comes to relationships, we shouldn't be controlling. We should let those that we love have their space, have their autonomy, let them do what they need to do, not always be asking, where were you? What were you doing? Why didn't you do this when I told you? Don't be so controlling. That, that shows you're envious. That shows you're jealous. And that is not love. God doesn't want you to be controlling of those that you care about. Love does not brag. It goes on and says, love does not brag. In other words, it doesn't talk about your accomplishments. Because guess what? Love is not about performance. Love is not about what you've done or not done, haven't done. True love is unconditional. That's true love. It's not based on conditions. Now, relationship is based on conditions. You can't have a marriage while your spouse is cheating on you. So I'm not talking about relationships. I'm talking to you about true love, just genuine love. It's not based on accomplishments, so you can't brag about it. It's not about pride or arrogance. Again, love versus performance, two very, very different things. It's not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not provoked. In other words, easily uh, overly sensitive. Have you ever been around somebody that you're always walking on eggshells and you're just worried? I know if I say one wrong thing, it's going to throw this person off the boat and they're going to go berserk on me. All right. That's not love. Whenever somebody's that way. And if you're that way, if you're the one of the people that everybody has to work, walk on eggshells around you, you need more of God's love in your, in your life. You need more love. I can't stand it, by the way. That drives, that's one of my pet peeves is if I have, if I'm scared of even saying the wrong thing around somebody, I just steer clear of, the, of that person because I know I'm going to say the wrong thing. It's just going to happen, all right? And so we can't be that way. We've got to be loving. We've got to give people their space, all right? It says it does not take into account wrong, uh, uh, account a wrong endured. That's an interesting way of put, but uh, of being put here, but it says, uh, this means it doesn't remember past wrongs and past failures. If you remind those that you care about what they've done wrong, that's, a, that's manipulation. And no one likes that. No one enjoys that. That's not loving to bring up the past or dredge up the past. The past is the past. Let it go. That's what love does. It lets it go. It does not rejoice at injustice, but rejoices in the, with the truth, what is right, and, and that truth will prevail. Love bears all things regardless of what comes. It believes all things. Now, does that, does that mean that you, are, uh, you have rose-colored glasses and you just let people walk all over you and, and, and you just put up with stuff? No. No, you, you have to have boundaries in your life. But even when someone's doing something wrong, you can look at them and still see some good in them, and you should do that. That's the loving thing to do. I struggled a lot of my life, or a long part of my life, with a critical spirit, judging people. They do one thing wrong, and I just... I'd, I'd compartmentalize them, I'd stereotype them, I'd put them on the shelf and wouldn't give them another chance. And God began to show me, hey, everybody makes mistakes. 
But because of a gracious God, there's some level of good in most every person on this earth. And we've got to see the good and not always be criticizing the bad. Otherwise, you become cynical. And, and you believe that people can't change. And people can change with the help of God. They can change. Always give someone the benefit of the doubt. Now, I've got to say this. Here's the balance. Here's what I was trying to say I wasn't going to do. But if you're in an abusive relationship, you don't keep putting up with that abuse. You, you exit that abusive relationship. Please understand. Please understand. You're not a carpet, uh, 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 you know, something to be trounced on all your life. Exit an abusive relationship always, always. Please do that. It goes on in verse 8, and it says, Love never fails. It never fades. I like that. Love never fades. There's always a fire of love that should be in your heart. A love for people. Even though they do wrong things, they may have hurt you, always have that love that never fades. And it goes on, though, and it says, If there's prophecies, they'll pass away. If there's tongues, they will cease. As for the gifts of special knowledge, they will pass away. And what this is saying is love will outlast human giftedness. Love will outlast human giftedness. If you're admiring an entertainer for their talent, guess what? Love is going to outlast their talent. If you're admiring a politician for their prowess, for their ability to get things done and be a leader, love is going to outlast their talent and their giftedness. If you look at spiritual gifts, as the scriptures are talking about here, love is going to outlast spiritual gifts as well. Love is the greatest, most powerful, most life-changing, most transformational thing there is in this world. I want more love. I want more love. It goes on in verse 9 and talks about that when that which is perfect and complete comes, in other words, love, the incomplete and the partial is going to pass away. And then it goes on and says something very famous here that we've probably all heard, possibly. And now there remains three things. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Absolutely, I want love more than anything else. Now, here's a little secret. You can't love people or others until you've received God's love for you. If I had $10, I could give that $10 away. But I don't have $10. I can't give it to you. I need God to give me $10 so I can give it to you. That's, that's how love works. I need more love. So if you say, God, you tell me to love people. You tell me to love you. But I don't have much love in my heart. All you have to do is say, God, would you give me more love? then you can start loving. Similarly, if you say, I don't have much patience, which is an aspect of love, you say, God, would you give me more patience? You know what drives me crazy is when people say, don't ask God for patience because he's going he's gonna to test you in that. That's baloney. That is absolutely baloney. If you want more patience, ask God and he will give you patience. He won't test you in patience. He will give it to you. And then you can have patience with other people. So it goes with kindness or thoughtfulness or, or, or whatever. Any one of these things that we've mentioned. Uh, 
let me pick another one. If you're, 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 you're struggling with a controlling spirit, say, God, give me the ability to just release people and not try to manipulate them anymore. All right, so just ask God for more love. In 1 John 4, 7, it says, Dear friends, let us love one another. Yeah, it says, you love people. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Love comes from God. If you need more faith, ask God for more faith. If you need more hope, ask God for more hope. But if you need more love, ask God for more love. And you will find yourself loving people that you couldn't love before. Even if that spouse has ignored you or treated you bad or, or not been there for you. And you say, God, help me to love that person more. God will help you to love that person more. He's the source of all love. In fact, the Bible tells us God is love. He's not only the source. He is, he is love himself. So... As we receive God's love, we start loving others, and we experience His salvation for us. And that's the, kind of the topic today. As you begin to love other people, and you notice, whoa, I just showed them a little bit of love, and I didn't do that before, that shows He's saving you. His love in your life demonstrates that He's saving you. The very thing that God came to do is happening to you when you start loving other people. Just naturally. Not trying to. Just, whoa, I picked up the phone and actually called and said something nice to that person. God is saving me through his love that's flowing through me. So here's some questions that I want us to ponder and think about. Is God's love unconditional? I think we as Christians really struggle with that. And I, for one, have learned through the scriptures and through experience that God's love is, in fact, unconditional. In John 3, 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son. Man had done nothing to deserve the giving of Jesus on our behalf. We did nothing. We played no part. God's love came first before we were ever lovable. So is there unconditional love from God? Yes. Yes. The purpose, again, is, is he wants to save us through his love. So here's a second question. Does this mean that God's salvation is conditional? Let's think about that. His love is unconditional. Is his salvation for us unconditional? Well, let's keep reading in John 3.16. It says that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. God's love is unconditional. It's there for all. We have 30 years to live, 80 years to live, 90 years, 14 years to live. You have unconditional love from God available to you. His salvation, however, is conditional. It is conditional. And it requires you to believe in Jesus. That's all you got to do. 
You got to believe in Jesus and say, Jesus, save me. Just like that picture that we had up there of a, a man's hand going down and another hand reaching down. You got to open up your hand and take a hold of Jesus's hand so that he will save you. If you pull your hand back and say, I don't want to be saved, you won't be saved. You got to believe in Jesus and take hold of his hand and you will be saved. You will be saved. He will save you. So salvation is, in fact, conditional. Now, what happens if you really believe in something or someone? Think of something that you really believe in. It might be Toyota. You might believe in Toyota and say, that is absolutely the best quality car there is in the market. I believe in Toyota. That's the only kind of car I'll ever buy. Or you might believe in your alma mater and say, I went to college there and that is the best university. I believe in that university. I will talk about that university. I will sell that university. You believe in it. You might believe in yourself. Therefore, you talk about yourself. <laughs> and you push yourself. And, and, and you accomplish based on yourself. You believe in yourself. Well, here's what happens when you believe in something or someone and it's found in 1 Corinthians 15.10, and it's speaking to the person who believes in God, but it says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace was not without effect. No, I work harder than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God that was with me. When you believe in something or someone, you work hard because of that belief. If you believe in your business, you're gonna work hard in your business. If you believe in, in your competencies and your capabilities, you're going to work hard using your, your, your capabilities and your competencies. Let me tell you what, when you believe in Jesus, you are going to work hard. You're going to work hard for him. You're going to serve him. You're going to try to please him. You're going to live your life for him. You're going to worship him. You're going to come to church. You're going to read your Bible because you believe in Jesus. And when his spirit tells you to do something, you're going to go do it because you love him you treasure him, you admire him, and you value him. You're going to work hard because you believe. A lot of people say, I believe in a God. That's not the kind of believing I'm talking about. I'm talking about the believing that's life-changing faith. Life-changing faith. And as we see here, the Apostle Paul says, the grace of God works in me so that I work hard. Well, here's another question. These are leading questions that get us to the topic of our, uh, of our message today. Does God's unconditional love mean that you will get, you'll get to do anything that you want to? Get away with anything that you want to? Is that what God's unconditional love means for you? Well, let's keep reading in John 3.16 because it keeps answering these questions. In John 3.16 now in verse 17, For God did not send His, world, His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. There's that salvation because of God's love. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God, God's one and only Son. Tell you what, just because God loves you unconditionally doesn't mean that you can go and just do whatever you feel like doing. It doesn't work that way. You believe in God, therefore you love God, therefore you follow God, there you try, you, you try to emulate God and, and be like Him, not in terms of a divine being, but just be, embrace His qualities of love and faith and hope. 
All right. And so we can't go and just say, oh, God loves me unconditionally. I can do whatever I feel like doing. That doesn't work. That doesn't work. And we talked about this on Wednesday night. Very, very clear. God's unconditional love doesn't make everything permissible for you, as my dad put it. Not everything is permissible. In fact, there's a lot of things that are not permissible, and they're articulated very clearly in your your Bible. If you read the Bible, you know what's not pleasing to God. And you believe God, and you say, I'm not going to do that anymore because I believe in Jesus. And I want to be saved. (laughs) And his unconditional love has drawn me in, and now his hand has gripped me, and I'm going to live the rest of my life for him. And I'm going to do what's pleasing to him. Hebrews 10, verses 26 through 29, lays it on the line. <laughs> very, very strong words here. He says, if we deliberately keep on sinning after we've received a knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross doesn't, doesn't count for you because you're deliberately walking away from, from him and what he offered you. But only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Wow, you're telling me there's a hell? Yes, I'm telling you there's a hell. And yes, there's, there's consequences if we don't turn our hearts to God, if we don't believe in Him, if we don't follow Him. Anyone who's rejected the law of Moses died without mercy at the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much more severely do you think someone deserves to be punished who has trampled on the Son of God under his feet, who has treated as unholy the, the, the thing, uh, unholy thing, the blood of the covenant that sanctified them, and who has insulted the Spirit of grace? It's so simple. <laughs> Turn to Jesus. And his sacrifice will cover you. You won't come under this thing. Now, there's always that sensitive soul out here that might be listening that says, oh, Steve, you don't know I'm struggling with sin in my life and I'm trying and I'm having a hard time. That's not the person who's deliberately sinning. They're fighting. They're trying. And it's taken them months and even years to get over past some kind of besetting addictive sin. But they're trying and, and they're asking God for help, and they're hanging in there. That's not a person who's deliberately sending to which this, this scripture would not apply to them at all. Do you understand? A, a person who's very sensitive could think that they fall in this category, and they're not. But somebody who says, forget you, you know. I remember being 17, 16 years old and walking with a friend of mine from high school, and he told me point blank, he says, I'm not serving God anymore. God hasn't done anything for me, and I, he doesn't care for me, and I don't care for him. That's who this applies to. Some of this, they're turning their back on God and they're finished. They're done. So does God's unconditional love mean that you can get away with murder and do whatever you feel like? No, it doesn't. His unconditional love does not do that. A couple more questions before we end here. Can God be angry with you and love you at the same time? (laughs) I'd be curious to kind of pull you and guys and think, Do you think God can be angry and love at the same time? How many of you think God can do that? All right. Okay. I'm thankful that he can. And I'll give you an example. My my son, when he was three or four, he had a little friend. And that little friend just bullied my son. Bullied him. Just was a pain, man. Always uh, be in school and get in trouble. It's like, this is ridiculous. All right. Now, I love that other little kid but I was totally angry with him at the same time. I loved him, 
but I was angry at the same time. And God can have the same emotions at the same time. And the Bible is very clear that he does. And I'm going to prove it to you right now. In John 3.36, again, we're still in John 3. Whoever believes in the Son of God has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on them. Okay, it's saying that the person who rejects God, that God's wrath is on them, that God is angry with them. Not just their sin, but actually with them as well. But in Romans 5.8, at the same time, it says that God demonstrated his own love with us, or for us, in this, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He loved us at the same time that he was angry with us. That's, I think a lot of Christians think, oh, he's angry, therefore he doesn't love me. That's, that's just not the truth. God can be angry and love at the same time. Second to last question here. Jesus took God's, it's not really a question, Jesus took God's wrath on himself on your behalf. He took, God is angry at each and every one of us when we live in sin. He's just angry, flat out. The Bible's very clear. His anger is on us. But Jesus died and took all of God's wrath and bore it on himself so that we could be saved because he loves us. He loves us. That's just mind-boggling. The sacrifice that he was willing to undergo. He took all, Jesus took all the wrath of God on himself. Uh, This is in Isaiah 53, verses 4 through 6. Surely he took up our pain. He bore our sufferings. Yet he was, uh, we considered him punished by God. Jesus was punished by God. And he had done no wrong. He did He took our punishment on himself, stricken by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. And the punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. It's a mixture of all kinds of punishment. He gave us healing through this. He gives us peace through this. It's unbelievable the sacrifice that Jesus took or made on our behalf. God's wrath can be taken away from you simply by believing on the man, Jesus Christ. You run to the cross. You run to him and say, Jesus, I repent. I turn away. Your unconditional love has drawn me towards you. And now your grace is going to keep me here. And my faith is steadfast in God. It's steadfast in what Jesus did. I don't have to bear the anger of God ever. The Bible says you won't even be judged (laughs) in John 5. If you're a believer in Jesus and you die and you go to heaven, it says you won't even be judged. That's amazing. Why? Because Jesus paid the price. So the last point that I'd like to make here is, is the title of the message actually is God's unconditional love has one purpose and it's to save you from God's wrath for your sins. That's the purpose of God's unconditional love. And we read here one last scripture. I know we read tons of scriptures, but in Romans 5, verses 8 through 9, it says, But God showed us his love for us in that while we were still sinners, still under God's wrath, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by Jesus' blood, How much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God? Isn't that wonderful? 
A lot of people want to say, God isn't mad. Well, yes, he is actually. He's mad because of our sin. He's mad because of what our sin has caused, infliction of pain on other people, on ourselves. Understand in, in uh, Philadelphia, there's, there's basically a drug market now. <laughs> You can go and buy drugs in the open, just kind of like an open market, and they're selling drugs that animals use, and now it's, they call it the zombie drug, and people are just wandering around with open sores in the streets, and God is angry because of that sin. These people are self-destructing. They're not only hurting themselves, they're hurting others. God's wrath is on our sin, but through the man Jesus Christ, he bore the wrath for all of that sin on Jesus, and not only bore it, he frees you from your sin. Have you ever been freed from, from something that you can get rid of yourself? Yeah, God frees you from sin. Praise God. Let's, let's thank the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, God. Lord Jesus, your wrath, God, your wrath is a real...